Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of The Evolved Man. Today's guest is not only a returning guest, you can listen to our first episode with her in episode 31, but she's a longtime friend and colleague and somebody that I respect and love dearly. Mindy Buxton is a strength coach, personal trainer, and master trainer who has been coaching men and women for over two decades. She is the premier trainer for The Body Gym and has been featured in magazines and on television more times than you can count. Mindy and I first met when her husband, TJ, hired me and gave me my first shot in health and fitness at the Life Center Athletic Club in my hometown of Sandy, Utah. Mindy brings a very practical, habit-based approach to her coaching and has facilitated the loss of thousands of pounds of fat for her clients over the years. In today's discussion, we dive into how Mindy, coming up on a mile marker birthday, is more excited about her age now than she was when she was in her early 20s. We discuss some of her current goals and how, before this birthday, she's been able to do something in the gym that she has never been able to do in her entire life. We talk about how people's mindset plays into the level of success or failure that they enjoy. We discuss the importance of adopting exercise nutrition and recovery, and programming as we age, and why life can become so much sweeter and more rewarding when we are healthy and fit. All that and more on today's Evolved Man. Welcome to the Evolved Man, where we are at war with the mediocrity of modern man. The Evolved Man is for men like you who are willing to be strong, open, and aggressive learners men who are not afraid to disrupt and change. It's time we ditch the current conventional idea that we devolve with age, that the dad bod is our destiny, and that the glory days are behind us. Your best isn't behind you, and I'm here to provide you with practical tools, a few tips and tricks, and everyday wisdom to help you evolve into your highest form. Strong, lean, smart, educated, and emotionally intelligent. Now, let's go to war. All right, well, welcome back. Thank you. Now, you've got a birthday coming up, right? I do. It's a big one. How does your husband feel about the fact that you scheduled a date with him and your other crush? My boyfriend and my husband. Your boyfriend and your husband. Oh, it's just a good thing that he knows me well. So I'm excited. He's actually excited too. I think he's probably as, as excited as you are. Yeah. But the question is, is Sting as excited as we are? I don't know if the, you've told Sting <laughs> that you're coming to his concert, right? Oh, I, it, it's a much better name to call him Sting than than his real name. Gordon. I'm glad he's changed it. <laughs> Gordon Shumway, right? Yeah. Or Sumner. Gordon Sumner. Sumner. Yeah, I, oh. I, it, it was a good choice. I think so too. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back. Um, so since I've been having guests in studio, I put a book next to them, nice. and sometimes we talk about it on air. Sometimes we talk about it before or after. So, my my first question is. Are you aware of that book? I am aware of that book. I actually follow James Clear on Instagram. Okay. I love his quotes, but I have not finished. I have the book downloaded on Audible. Okay. But I have not finished it cover to cover yet. Well, there you go. You you now have a paper copy as well. So that, that book's yours. 
Thanks. Dude. The reason I set books out is because there's something about the book that reminds me of each one of my guests. And so oh. I chose this book for you because you have little by little made these amazing changes over the course of your life. But this is also a big part of your coaching philosophy, I've observed. Um, you remember Charles Poliquin, right? He was yes. a luminary in our uh, industry until he passed away just a, a few short years ago. Poliquin used to always say that um, practitioners are always ahead of the curve when it comes to figuring things out. You know, when you look at the research studies that are out there, researchers are always behind the curve. Practitioners figure things out ahead of time because they're forced to, they're paid to figure stuff out. I kind of feel like you wrote Atomic Habits before James Clear ever put pen to paper because you figured out with your clients that it really is about these tiny habits that make the long-term results, right? Yeah, it is. And that's such a, a compliment. Thank you. Um, the cool thing about us as practitioners, now we have science to back up all these things that we've been doing over the years and talking about it. So I do love that the science does catch up. Right. But right. The, yeah, we were the ones, I guess, in the trenches living it before the studies were finished. We talked about this yesterday uh, as we were kind of discussing uh, what we were going to talk about today. But one of those atomic or small level habits that we've kind of learned over the years is that you don't have to do this crazy, ridiculous, intense, uh, sweating, red-faced type exercise all the time. Something as simple as walking can be an extremely powerful thing, not just for your health, but for your fitness level as well. Yeah, it's so awesome. More is not better, which is what I feel like I kind of thought in my 30s and even my 20s when I started out in this industry. But now I've learned better is better. Mm. And it's awesome that it can be less amount of time and better quality or more focused of a intention for what we're doing workout wise. And we get awesome results and we have way more time to do other things in our lives. And there's so many very simple things. I mean, like walking. We talked about this yesterday. The, the 3,000 steps. The research is now showing that 3,000 steps is just kind of the bare minimum that a person needs to get to see health benefits. Yeah. Right? Between three to 8,000, there's some pretty significant increases in health benefits. And then anything above eight, when you get into the 10, 12,000 step range, you're, you're improving your overall fitness level. Yeah. You're pushing your zone one and your zone two higher. Um, and there's a lot of benefits to it, but God, 3000 steps I know. just to get some health benefits. That That's, seems like such a low bar. It is a low bar. And it's kind of awesome because I feel like sometimes when we throw out the, oh, you should be walking 10 to 12,000 a day for fitness, 3000 is doable, right? Yeah, it seems. And every week we were talking like, okay, what would another, what would a thousand steps be? 10 to 15 minutes. Right. And it's people can squeak that in in their day around their work, around their kids' schedules, around whatever other things they have. So the cool thing about walking is you can do it wherever you're at. It mm. costs no money. It doesn't have to be done all at once. But something just simple like that, I think it's sad that we don't, we discredit it sometimes that it's not effective or it doesn't help. But it, 3,000 steps a day, awesome. You're winning. Well, and it, there's so many other benefits to it. You're getting fresh air, you're getting sunshine. I think about when I was traveling a lot uh, as a as an executive, and I would travel around and do lectures, and I would land in a new city. 
And one of the first things I wanted to do was go find neighborhoods to just walk in to get my exercise. I found some of the coolest places. And there were times where then I would have other people fly in with me for conferences or whatever. I'm like, hey, let me go show you this place. Or um, sometimes like one of the favorite places that Danielle and I go to now is Chicago. And I had walked so many parts of Chicago before she was ever able to come out with me. Now, when we go to Chicago, we're north of 25,000 steps every single time we go there. And it's an amazing experience because not only are we getting great movement in, but we see the city in a totally different way than you than you see when you're in a car, right? Yeah, it's awesome. It's the best. I've, I agree. My husband and I love exploring places on foot. We'll go out on either a, a jog or a walk or a walk run. And it's fun because a lot of times I think, oh, we're just going out for a workout and sometimes we get sidetracked and we end up shopping, walking, or we're like, oh, that, hey. That doesn't surprise me much. <laughs> Let's go to breakfast. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah oh, so we call it's not yeah. shopping, it's shopping, let's be, walking. Let's be clear, shopping for you, breakfast for TJ, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. You know us well, but it's great. It's a great way, like you said, to meet to see new places, a great way to explore. It's also just awesome to ground yourself in the middle of your day. When you were talking about traveling, it took me back to the times that we would travel to QVC and do fitness on air, but we were doing strength training. And even though we were stuck inside and then we were in the green room, so you think like 15 or 20 minutes on QVC is 15 or 20 minutes. We were there for several hours. And then when we'd be done, everyone else would kind of go to the hotel or go in and take naps. I'm like, I just need to walk for a minute. I want to be outside. I want to see the sunshine. And it just grounded me. And I love it. It's a great way too to connect with people. I um, I think it counts as both. It counts as fitness some days. Some days it's my workout. Other days it's bonus daily movement. I Yesterday I got together with my uncle. He's 77. And that's how we catch up. Instead of going to lunch, instead of talking on the phone, we get out and we either walk at his place or mine 30 to 60 minutes based on our schedules. But I love catching up with him in person and just being outside. It's awesome. Yeah, there, there's a saying, and I hate to use sayings like this because they've just come across as so trite. But if you're walking, you're talking. And it is true. There's so much value to getting out and talking with another person. And you do it, if if you're doing that with anyone that you have any type of relationship, it doesn't have to be your spouse uh, or some sort of intimate relationship. It could be a friend. It could be your uncle. When you're out and you're walking and you're side by side, you are now tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that walking is part of our flight mechanism, but because it's so mild and it keeps the heart rate so low that it truly taps into the parasympathetic nervous system and we automatically just get into this nice relaxed state and we tend to talk more freely and more openly like uh, than if we're sitting down and we're stiff and we're conversing, uh, you know, so how was your day, right? Yep, it's, yeah, and guess what? Our conversation is probably more genuine than if I were to have him on speakerphone while I'm doing laundry, yeah. I'm focused on him only, not whatever other things. Cause I multitask when I'm on the phone or when I'm talking, everybody to does. Yeah. And so it's, it just, I feel like it's my therapy. 
It's the cheapest therapy. Go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Some people multi that I know multitask while they're using the restroom. And I'm like, oh, oh. please don't do that to me. Nope. I don't want to hear the toilet flush in the back. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, and there are times where if I'm in a public restroom and I hear somebody talking oh. on their phone and then they go into the stall, I, I just think, it, does the person on the other end know what you're doing? I know. That is the worst. And then I just want like the Clorox wipes to just like wipe down oh, anything that I yes. own because even though my phone is not in there, I'm just like, ew. It, ew. it grosses me out. <laughs> Now, Mindy, when we were talking yesterday, you'd made a great point about age, and I want to make sure that I get it right. You said something about how you're more open, you're more excited about your upcoming birthday than you were when you turned 23. Um, tell our listeners about the difference between 23 to your upcoming birthday. Girl, well, I don't know if, if it's wisdom with age, but when I feel like I kind of had a midlife crisis at 23 because I had this plan that I was going to do. And even though I had a great job, I loved my life, what I was doing, it was not what my plan was. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like I was so rigid and so not flexible about what, what I guess my path could be. And I was almost stuck in what should quote unquote should have been versus what I had. And I don't know why I was so, I don't know. I think that it helped me realize, gall, life doesn't have to be exactly how you think it's going to be. Or I guess it never goes the way you plan it out. Right. Right. And so it's taken me a long time to say, okay, this is what we're doing and it's going to go off course and that's okay. And um, I do feel like I give myself way more grace and I love that I am not as hard on myself as I was in my twenties and my thirties and that I, I can appreciate where I'm at while I'm progressing. And I don't think I ever, I was always more focused on my goal, where I wanted to be. I did not appreciate where I was at the time. I was kind of rushing and wanting to get there sooner than it was taking a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was not enjoying the journey. And I love that you can enjoy the journey and the destination where I think I had this mindset that it was one or the other. Yeah. And I always chose it's very common the destination as like the end all be all. It's not funny how we do that because it, every time we achieve a goal, we experience the same thing. We get this moment of elation and then it goes away yeah. and we go back to feeling the same way that we did before, if not worse, because we realized that achieving the goal was not as exciting as it was. And it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't as enthralling and there wasn't the same richness to achieving the goal that there was going through the process of, uh, uh, you know, working towards the goal. And yet we far too often don't even pick up on that fact. Yeah, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, something that I love too is just that I the joy sometimes is in the getting there and the experiencing as the growth happens. But when we are just fixated on the end all or the final goal, we we miss all that. And I do love that um I just think gratitude is something that is underestimated. It's talked about a lot, but I truly think that it's so essential to take time every single day 
to be grateful for either a win, a success, or just something in your life and acknowledge it. Because I think there's a lot of great mini wins until you get to the big win. And sometimes it's about the little wins. Yeah. I, I've, I've been playing with that idea for quite some time with myself and, and with my uh, coaching clients where I, I've asked myself the question, okay, if I'm working with, let's say my son from a very early age to now he's a, a teenager and I look at his growth and development and there was a point where he couldn't uh, you know, feed himself. There was a point where he was uh, in diapers. There was a point where he went from crawling to walking. There are all these stages of development. Now, here he is, a teenager that has his own business. He's figured out how to create his own business. He owns a trailer. He has a storage unit. He's buying and selling uh, couches and Xboxes. And he's created this business. And it's unbelievable to me. He goes into the gym. He works out. He's getting stronger. If I go back to young Johnny, to where Johnny is right now, and I think about all of these iterative steps that he's done along the way, there was never a point in time as a father that I would look at him and say, well, you, you should be further along. I just celebrated what yeah. was there. We had conversations around next level growth and next steps. Right. But the thing, the microcosm that I'm playing around in my mind and with my clients with is what if you started treating yourself and your own personal growth? Well, relative to how you treat your kids or treated your kids and their growth and development, instead of telling yourself that you should be somewhere, what if you just recognized and you celebrated every win that was there? What would happen? Because from my perspective, Every time Johnny gets another cell and he talks about it and he tells me about it, we get excited. Like it's fun. Yeah. And on the times where it didn't, didn't pan out the way that he wanted to, we share in the frustration of it and then we move on. But we seem to have double standards, yeah. standards that we have for other people where we celebrate their wins and we kind of diminish or excuse me, uh, minimize the losses. And we say, no, it's no big deal. You're going to, you're going to be fine. But then we catastrophize our losses and we minimize our wins. Have you seen that in your life or the lives of your clients? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's something that I am trying to be a lot more aware of now than I ever was in the past. And I'm trying to bring that. I just feel like that's so important for us to figure out and to be mindful of. I don't know if we ever get to master it, mm -hmm. but we'll, we can practice it every day. But that right. is something that I try to bring to my client's attention, how important it is to celebrate the littlest progress. And every single progress adds and contributes to where you're headed. And it's about progression, not perfection. Yeah. So you've gone from um, 23 years old, and yeah. maybe not loving that birthday to the most recent birthday coming up is what? 50. 50. It's the net, it's level 50. Level 50. Yeah. You talked about so that. So leveling up. I love that. I read it. And I also have a friend that talks about age as in uh, floors. 
and the next level and you're on the you're going to the next floor and i thought i love that because that's progression right right it's not like oh my gosh the first half is over and now it's the second half and the second half is going to be harder or worse and i just think i don't love the aging uh the language around aging that yeah, we're negative stigma yeah that it it gets worse as we get older or we hurt because we're older no we hurt because of what we're doing or not doing it doesn't matter i hurt more at 23 with some of the health issues and the things that i had going on than i do at 50. yeah you know and so i just think i just hate that that's an excuse and i don't feel like it needs to be and so I kind of want to help yeah. change that narrative or at least around the, like when my interactions with people. So I want to, I want to shift to, um, our recent interactions. Uh, and, and we've been friends and colleagues for over, you know, probably 20 years, yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. And it's really been fun to, to reconnect more lately and to play around with some of the goals that you've, you've got for yourself. Can you talk about when we started getting together to do more stuff? And then what your goals are right now and talk a bit about that journey. Yeah. So in um, the summer, I decided I wanted to get a pull-up. I have never been able to do a chin-up or a pull-up. The presidential fitness test was like my nemesis. I could not do it to, for anything. And I don't know. I feel like I love performance goals. I love, I've done a lot of, um, endurance things in my, I've done triathlons and um, marathons and Grand Canyon and a lot of performance goals have been endurance based for me. And so I am lifting more and I just thought, why can I, I should be able to do this. I'm going to, this is my goal. I want to do at least one before the year is over. So I started practicing and doing things. And then as I was going, I could tell I was getting stronger, but I also could feel some imbalances. And I was like, what is going on back here in my trap? And so that's when I approached you and said, hey, will you help me figure out what I am doing? Because I can tell my form is not good. Or where am I compensating? And what do I need to turn on or turn off to be able to do better at getting these pull-ups? And so I loved the advice you gave me. You helped me figure out too, just based on my body structure, I should be doing pull-ups or chin-ups, excuse me, instead of pull-ups. Once I started doing that, we were able to um, identify what muscles were overworking. You helped me turn some on that have been lazy and not wanting to fire. And um, from the span of, I think I came to you in October and from October to December, I finally hit an unassisted chin up. Yeah. And it, it's been so fun to watch you do this. And uh, you're, you're doing that thing right now that I was talking about yesterday, right? Where when you, when you talk about the goal, you can't not smile, right? And, and your, your face smiles, your eyes smile. And it's so, it's been so rewarding and so cool to be able to work with you on this and see you achieve what you've achieved up to this point. And I bring up the smile piece for a couple of reasons. You referenced earlier performance goals, and we'll get to this in in a in a bit with relative to other people and how they can think about and frame their goals. Because I think okay. how people frame their goals is really important. Yes. But performance goals are are especially effective because once you achieve that performance goal, nobody can wipe the smile off your face. Like you hit the you hit the pull up and it's you just like you got it, and it feels cool. 
Well, and let me tell you, I don't know if there's ever been a scale goal that lasted longer than like, yeah, you get on and it's like, whoa, yay, finally that number. And then I'm like, that just the longevity of that satisfaction is not the same as as a, for me, as a accomplishment. I don't know. Well, nobody hits a number on the scale and then can maintain that particular yes. number all the time. And that's what is makes it so strange to me is it, it weight in and of itself is just an arbitrary number. Yes. We could eat more, we could eat less, we could eat the exact same and then the barometric pressure outside changes and and our uh the osmolarity of our cells is different and we just weigh more or all we weigh sudden. less tomorrow yeah. the next day. It, we have very little control over all of the aspects well, that and come into it, right? It's sad to me too, because I have gone from not my best, hitting my best, and then obviously not staying there all the time. And honestly, you are the same person right? at 10 pounds heavier or 10 pounds lighter, right? whether you're in whatever clothing size or the next. And I feel like sometimes people think you will be different and life will be different when you hit that size goal. Yeah. Maybe it's easier to move around. Hopefully, like health metrics improve, no risk of diseases go down. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you are the same. And if you're not happy and content, 10 pounds heavier, you're not going to be happy and content 10 pounds lighter. And no matter if you're at your lightest or your heaviest, you can have bad days or days that you don't feel your best that doesn't matter that doesn't change you but being able to overcome and uh, yeah now my strength is better that accomplishment has changed me for the better and i don't know it just i just feel like when performance is your focus you keep your focus on okay what do i need to do next if i'm not still hitting that level versus getting in the shame cycle with like the scale or getting frustrated with, oh, I can't see any improvement and I'm not changing. I feel like it is almost easier when you have a performance goal to measure progress and to see a improvement. Yeah. I, and I want to make sure before we go to the next question that we we really put a pin in this, in this moment because um, you're coming up on your 50th birthday. How many people at 49 years old say to themselves, I wonder if I could do a pull-up. I wonder if I trained right. I wonder if I got my muscles functioning and firing the right way. If I could say, all right, 48 and a half years into this, now 49th year, now we're coming into the 49 and a half year. Hey, what if I just started working on something? Could I, could I do a pull-up? Right. I mean, how many people are doing that? I would say in America, there's probably, you're probably like less than 0.1% of people that are asking themselves that question. But how powerful is that? That coming into your 50th birthday, you're going to be stronger and you now have a skill that you didn't have before. That's pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, it it has been powerful. And it's kind of made me think, Gal, was I, why didn't I set that goal sooner? Was I scared that I wouldn't hit it or that it was like, oh, it's going to take so much work to get it. And I feel like sometimes we don't set goals because 
We don't, we know the work that it will take and maybe I wasn't ready for it. Or, um, I just think it's interesting, like, yeah, why it took me so long to do that. But I do feel like I am more liberated at this point in my life than in the past about, so what if I try it and I don't hit it, I'm trying it. And, or I guess I also went into it thinking I, there's a way I'm going to hit it. I just don't know how it is and I, I will figure it out and I will do it. Yeah. And, and I think as we talked about before, um, so most people fail just because they create a story in their head and then they never try. They don't fail because they try and then stick with it long enough. Most people fail because they never start. Yeah. And then the second group of people who fail are people who think that it's going to be relatively easy to get there and they try a little bit and then they stop and you're guaranteed to fail if that's the case. And I, one of the things that I found fascinating uh, over the years, and especially watching you accomplish this is that when you just ask the question, what if, well, what if I tried, well, what would it take? You can figure it out, but that might mean the timeline is longer than what you initially think. It may actually mean that the timeline is shorter. And sometimes you have to reevaluate your goals. Cause you said something to me yesterday in terms of what is your actual goal now at 50, because you had an original goal. Now it's changing. What, what was the original goal? What's the new goal? Yeah. So in December, when I hit my chin up unassisted, I thought, okay, by April 16th, that's my 50th. I want to be able to do five pull-ups. Yeah. And yesterday we got together and I got four and a half. And so, uh, when we were done, I said, you know what I need, my goal needs to be 10 by the time I'm 50. There's no reason why I can't, because now I won't be stressed. I'll be, obviously I'm going to be able to hit that probably in February or by February. And so part of it made me think, well, God, did I, did I set the bar? I feel like I set the bar attainable. It's been a stretch, but I was, I think I was too, too nervous to go to 10 right off because right in the day that we did it, um, you showed me the video and, and the way I felt, I did feel so strong and I was like, oh my gosh, yep. My chin got over the bar. That was amazing. But then I couldn't get that second one. And then you showed me the video and I was like, oh, that looks like a struggle. <laughs> it did it in my head. It felt Instagram filtered and amazing and effortless. And in reality, it didn't look like that. And so I think I wanted those five to be looking effortless, looking great and strong. And I just, at the time I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to do five and have it look great and, and feel great. Yeah. I goals change. I think sometimes because when we achieve something, then we realize, oh, there's a little bit further that I can do. Right. Yeah. And then once you hit 10, you might be playing around with, well, what if I could do 10 maybe with heavier weight, or maybe I could do 10 with this, uh, my image of a perfect form, right? The goal is going to change. I want to touch on that just a minute because you created a a post on Instagram that I I thought had a really great message on it. Uh, You put up several of the videos that we've taken where showing you along the process of getting to your goal. And you, uh, you referenced in this how 
you questioned putting these videos up there because they didn't quote unquote look Instagram perfect, right? Um, I thought it was really impactful because somebody who is 20 or 30 pounds overweight and they go into the gym, they're questioning themselves and they are asking themselves, should I even be here? Right. Yeah. Um, now, if somebody popped onto your page, they're going to look at it and just say, oh, look at her. She's beautiful. She's fit. She probably never questions herself. The empathy that was in that post, I think, is important for people to recognize that it doesn't matter what stage of life you're at. You're still going to have questions, self-doubts. Uh, things that creep up. So I want you to talk just a little bit about that relative to how, I guess, two questions really. Number one, how are you continuing to show up for your goal? And then how would you recommend that other people do in spite of their doubts? Well, I do feel like I want to, I, I want to continue showing up for my goal, even when things are hard. Because I think sometimes we get started and we think progress is linear. And you and I have talked about this all a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone else has talked about this a lot. It isn't linear. It goes up and down, up and down. You get progress. And even just a few weeks ago, I, you, we text, we couldn't make our weekly appointment. And I think when you came back, I was like, oh my gosh, Steve, I'm so glad that we didn't have that because I, all of a sudden, everything went to pot and I couldn't even do two pull-ups. My energy was so drained, but there wasn't really anything. I wasn't not getting sleep. My nutrition was on point. I could not figure out what the heck was going on. And it was a little bit discouraging, but I was like, I know it's going to pass. And so we did a deload week. And then the next time we, I was right back where I left off. And so sometimes I think we get in this rut that we think, okay, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, we're seeing progress. And then all of a sudden, when you get nailed with something unexpected, that's the moment where it happens to everyone. That's yeah. kind of what I want. Yeah. The point is, it doesn't matter if you're the trainer or you're the client, it, you will hit a wall at some point, or you will have a setback. And it's not about the setback. It's how we respond to it. So it's figuring out why it happened or allowing a little bit of time and then continuing forward and not allowing that to stop you altogether. Um, I do feel like in everything I share, I've kind of been a person where I don't want to use filters. I want things to be real. I want things to be relatable. I want things to be doable. That's important to me. And, but then at the same time, I catch myself comparing to everyone else who is posting in the fitness world, especially the people a lot younger than me who have the filters nailed and they don't do anything without a filter. And that's fine. And I still, I feel like they're still representing, but I just feel like on a relatable level, I just, I want to be real and not everything is easy. And it, even for us as trainers, we, we have to put in the work no matter who we are and we have to stick with it. We have to get that consistency. That's what I guess I think the difference is in people who achieve goals and who don't it's they tolerate the fact that it's going to take a while 
And I think it's important to have a date or a goal that's realistic um, time-wise. But if you don't hit it, you're closer than if you wouldn't have started. And so move the date if you need to. Right. Right. And so if for whatever reason, if this was taking longer than I wanted it to, then maybe I only think, okay, we'll hit three by the time my birthday comes around. Like a, I, I think I have more a leeway with myself for adapting goals versus just saying, oh, now I'm, I'm not going to hit it. So I drop it. Yeah. And time, time is an interesting thing that I think in the West, we get so fixated on, you know, I mean, there, there's this, I, I heard a quote that at the time I believed it and I just, I, I don't anymore. Uh, but I had a, uh, a mentor at one time say that the definition of success is achieving exactly what you want in the exact timeline that you want. I now look at that and just say, well, that it's just bullshit especially the last part. Yeah. It's not it's not the timeline because we we the one thing we can't predict is time or control. Yeah, we, we can't, can't control no, the time. Not at all. We if you are an investor, you can't time your investments in the market the right way. Anybody that tries to fails in investing. If you uh, are a novice starting out and you say I want to lose x amount of pounds or I want to uh, gain x amount of strength and I want to do it in this time. You're a novice. You don't have the ability to know what that looks like. Now, as you become more adept at whatever it is that you're doing, let's say uh, gaining strength or looking at uh, weight loss, you can get better at predicting time, but you can't predict it all the time. And time, I, I've taken on this mentality over the over the next or the last few years that time is really a, a an internal relative construct and that construct is essentially that it equates to focus multiplied by energy and so when you think about time time lives inside of us right it's internal we experience moments where they drag on mm -hmm. and so it's a feeling it's a sensation right it's relative to our focus and our energy in that moment but we also experience time where it flies and again, that's relative to yeah. focus and energy. And so when we set a timeline, I'm going to achieve X by Y, the Y is the one thing that we just have no control over. And who cares? Yeah. I mean, it, let's say that you want to get your pull-ups or let's say that somebody wants to lose 20 pounds, but it takes them a year longer to lose the 20 pounds than what they had initially thought. I can tell you right now, when you're 20 pounds lighter, you're still going to reap all of the benefits from being 20 yeah. pounds lighter. When you get all of your pull-ups and it may have taken uh, longer to get there, it doesn't matter. You will experience time differently in the moment where your elation, your joy, your happiness, your sense of contentment, your uh, feeling of pride, all of those things will still be there waiting for you. Well, and when you put it that way, does the date matter? No. Does it no. make a difference? Yeah. Right? No. Well, and I love that you brought that up because I feel like part of my goal setting that I've done over the decades with people, it has always had that measurable, like set a measurable window. Mm -hmm. And so, but I just feel like that it needs to be even more flexible yep. than what we allow sometimes. Yeah. Because I, I don't feel like you should not think, oh, I don't know. What what do you think on that? Do you feel like should we set a goal and just not have 
any time frame? Or do you think it's like, look, let's just hit one or do you th in your lifetime or what a year? Yeah, I think it, I think, think? It I think it depends on your expertise. Okay. Uh, and, and let me, let and me the goal it. probably, right? Yeah, your, your goal and your expertise. So let me frame it like this. So, um, I've decided that I, for my birthday coming up, I'll be 48 years old in May. I've decided that by May, I want to have, uh, I want to be able to look at my midsection and say, and my body and say, well, that's the most symmetrical physique and midsection that I've ever been able to create. Right. So I set that goal a year ago and I've been working towards that. I've got a pretty high level of expertise in creating that. I know my body well, I know what I can achieve. And I gave myself a timeline that because I know that, and because I change and transform bodies all the time, I know that that's an achievable timeline, right? Well, and you've done that goal in a time frame before because you competed in figure competitions. Right. You had right. to have a a timeline yep. in that scenario. Yeah. And and so I know that and I know what it takes. And so the timing piece is, is good. Um, if an athlete comes to me and says, I want to get ready for the season, we go through and we assess and evaluate and, and you know, let's say that he's coming off of an ACL surgery, like. Uh, this is about what we could do because I've got reps doing that. If someone comes to me and says, I want to lose 20 pounds by the summer, I'm like, uh, cool. Well, it's not going to happen. Or if it yeah. is, it's not going to happen in a healthy way. So I think it really boils down to your expertise and the goal itself. Now, I remember when I was younger, I wrote a, down a goal that I wanted to, I don't even remember what the timeline was, but I knew I wanted to own a Porsche, right? Nice. Because uh, I love Porsches and I thought, oh, it's so cool. Uh, anyway, I think I missed every single timeline that I had set for myself because I just didn't have great expertise when it came to what would it take to make enough money to where owning a Porsche made sense. And then when I bought my first one, it became super easy to repeat it again and again and again and again. And I think now I've owned eight different Porsches over the years because I knew, I know what it takes to take care of everything else, make enough money to save and do things on the side to, you know, pay for the payments or whatever. Yeah. I, I figured that out. Now, how long would it take us to get to Mars? How long would it take? I, I have no idea. So if I were to set a goal that I don't have any expertise for, I would just give myself the grace to just say, well, I want to achieve that. But I would look at it less from a timestamp standpoint. And this is where I kind of, I look at the smart, right? The specific, measurable, achievable, yes. relevant, timely. So I look at, I don't look at timely as I want to change. I want to set a timestamp to when I'm going to achieve my goal. The way that I've taught executives over the years is I, I look at the time piece as there should be a time component to it. And generally what that means is schedule it in, schedule yes. your activities in. And so what I do with my goals is I've got very big goals for myself in many areas of life. And I carve out a certain amount of time every day or every week to go towards those goals. Now, when I achieve the goal, I don't know. I mean, it could happen in a year. It could happen in 10 years. I have no idea whatsoever. But the thing that I can control is my focus and my energy, right? And so yeah. that's why when it comes back to what is time, to me, it's focus and energy. So if I can put a time component to it by saying, I'm going to focus on that every day 
and I'm going to make sure that I show up with a certain amount of energy. Like today, one of my goals I spent 10 minutes working on. And I may never accomplish that goal. I may accomplish that goal in five years. I don't know. But I spent 10 minutes today working on it. Well, I love that. And so I kind of feel like our takeaway is the most important part of goal setting is that you set a goal yeah. and you start and you just make it as consistent or as habitual as possible. Yeah. And that again, back to atomic habits. And right? that, yeah. And that 10 minutes is still getting you closer than if you didn't do any minutes today. Right. And so that's a win in my book. Yeah. But I do think that maybe the focus needs to be on the, like you said, the time allotted towards the goal, not a finish date. Yeah. And I, I think, so I want to talk about, I want to go from time to other ways that people measure their goals. Cause this is something that you and I talked about yeah. yesterday that I think it's an important thing that we discuss as people are on the process or, or, or through the process and they're, they're progressing towards a goal. One of the things that they're measuring is time. Did I achieve it by this time? Right. But there are other measures that people look at. I uh, maybe as they're going towards their goal, they're looking at weight. Maybe they're looking at photos and they're comparing the photos. Well, I, the other day I had a conversation with a client of mine that after 16 weeks, he was one pound lighter on the scale, one pound. Yeah. Right? So Which most, most people are not happy about, right? They kind of don't even think that's progress. No, no. And, and someone listening to this would say, well, that's it. That's not very good. You're not a very good coach. But when we dug deeper into the numbers, the reality was he was seven pounds heavier with his lean muscle tissue and he was eight pounds lighter with fat. Now, if you look at the photos, the photos showed a fairly significant change, but only using the metric of weight, if that was the case, if he was just doing this on his own, yeah. he would have been extremely frustrated and upset. Yeah. Weight is challenging for people to just use as their only metric. Photos can also be challenging if they only use that as a metric. Yeah. Why are other metrics important for people to track? I just think things are not measured by one or two ways. And so you hit two great ways to, to track progress in the fitness world. Inches are another way. Yeah. But then is he lifting heavier than he was? Right. You know, and stronger. Exactly. Right. And is, has his stamina or endurance increased? Is he doing stuff in life where maybe he used to have back pain and all of a sudden, you know what, that's gone away because he's using his core more. And I, I just feel like it's my job as a coach when anyone comes in and says any little thing that has been easier in life or um, today was a great example. I have a, a girl that has been losing. She's probably dropped over 40 pounds. And she did get on the scale. We, I usually only weigh my people once a month. We okay. do inches once a month. We weigh some people. If we're trying to figure out dialing in their nutrition a little better, sometimes we will do once a week. I don't love people getting on the scale more often than that. Mm. And so she came in and she was actually doing something at a heavier level 
that was not making her breathless while she was saying, I'm so just, I'm frustrated this week. I didn't see the change, but she has had change for like five or six weeks in a row. And so we talked about, okay, what else has been better? Look at what you just did. You just did a machine that like the first or second week when you came in, you couldn't even do four minutes on it. You did 15 minutes. You didn't even notice it. And it wasn't even that challenging. And we're at a heavier level. So that has increased. We also talked about the fact that her she's had better energy to be able to do life. She's been cleaning out closets and all these things that for over the probably the last four weeks, she's come in and said, I am getting so much done at my house. I have so much energy. This is so nice to finally do things that I've been putting off. So I have helped her realize, okay, that's a win. That's right there, a result of what you're doing in the gym. Right. And so I just... It's almost like weight just becomes weaponized. Yes. In people's minds. They well, they use the scale as a way to flog themselves yeah. if it's not there or to give themselves a reward if it is there in the way that they want it. And how sad is it that one versus three pounds, we, to, we just discredit one because it sounds little, but... One pound is 3,500 calories burning more than what you've brought in. Yeah, it's a lot of a ton, lot of effort. Right. right? That's like on average at least 500 calories a day eating less than what you're burning or moving more than what you were doing in the past. To get it's it's a big deal to hit a pound. Mm -hmm. But why do we think that's not that great? It's just as good as losing 10 pounds. It's progress. Right. Right. Yeah, but weight is definitely weapon. It's my, yeah. And it is my least. I, if I had it my way, I would not weigh anybody. I would just do their, a picture. I would do their inches. And then that's where too, I feel like I have challenged my clients to try to think of three or one to three wins, successes, or accomplishments, or gratitudes every single day. And not just to think about it, but to write it down. Because, and I don't care if it's like paper, pencil, or a note in your phone, and you type it in, but it is, I can correlate my people that do that, stick with their goals longer, and some of them all of a sudden see greater drops, and it has nothing to do with their eating or their exercise directly. I do feel like when you are in a more positive mind frame and you do notice those little wins, it gives you momentum to keep going, right? right? Yep, and absolutely. that's, I feel like that's probably the hardest challenge in the fitness world. Anybody can start, right? How many times have we set a New Year's goal? How many times have we reset the same New Year's goal? Mm -hmm. But it's not about starting, it's about finishing. And all these non-scale successes or wins are more important to keep you on the road to finally hitting your end goal. Yeah, and I want to dive into that a little bit more too. Uh, but before we leave this particular topic, the uh, I, I'm a big believer that weight, photos, uh, body fat percentage, th those are tools for a coach to be yeah. able to then use because the coach knows how to take those metrics and then create a plan based on those. Right. Yeah. It's not that I don't want my clients to know what they weigh or how they look in the picture or what their body fat percentage is, but it's almost like, you know, that that's my job to use those. You made a great point about that. There are so many other ways that people should be tracking 
their progress because the extra energy to clean a house, that's life-changing. Yeah. That's You're now shifting the culture of your lifestyle. The uh, ability to stay on a, a piece of equipment for three times what you used to do. And it's even easier because you can now complain about the fact that you only lost a pound or whatever it is. That's life-changing. That means you have more energy. Those metrics, I think, are extremely important. I want to make sure that we touch on the the photo idea as well, because this is another one that I don't think people realize when they use photos as, as a weapon. Um, one of my favorite books is uh, Betty Edwards' Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And when I read this book 30 years ago, I became very aware of the idea that we don't see the world as it is. Uh, we, we see it as we are, and we see it as our perception. So what Edwards talks about is that if I were to say, Mindy, draw a picture of a horse, you would draw a representation of what you think a horse is. And it would probably be cartoon-like in representation, right? Yes, it would. All right. So <laughs> we, we call that drawing on the left side of the brain. It's, it's the logical side. We draw what we know. But great artists learn to draw what they see, they observe, they look at angles, relationships, tones, lines, et cetera, uh, and they create a representation of what's out there based on what they see. So that's drawing on the right side of the brain. Now, when we think about this relative to taking photos, when people take photos of themselves and they say, okay, can I see my progress over time? They, everybody does this. We all have that one area that we don't like, and we exercise to change that one area. So for many people, it's, oh, I don't like my, my stomach. I don't yeah. like my thighs. I don't like my butt. Yeah. So then we take a picture. And what happens is we lose body fat, most people, from the top down and the bottom up. And yeah. the last place for it to really see a significant amount of change is through the midsection, which is the hips, the butt, yeah. and the uh, abdomen. Now, inches may be going down, but what's happening is proportions are looking different. And so oftentimes I'll find clients where they're getting leaner through the shoulders and the chest. They start to notice some things there, but then the belly looks bigger. Even though the belly might be down an inch yeah. or so, it looks bigger relative to the weight loss that they've had up top. And then as their calves start to get more defined and the thighs get more defined, they say, oh, but my butt is bigger. Well, no, it's not. It just looks that way. So there's yeah. kind of this mushy middle that people go through. Uh, if they stick through the process, they look at themselves in the photo and they weaponize the photo and say, I, my, I'm, I'm fat. Versus looking belly, at it right? and saying, oh my gosh, look at my quads popping. Look at the definition right. in my bicep that didn't used to be there. Look, I mean, yeah, what, it's so sad that we are our worst critics. Yeah. And uh, it's sad. Something that you just made me think about too, with us using numbers in the photos, mm -hmm. you and I are not judging the number. No, when it's no. a client looking at their, they are judging, they're putting shame to it. They're criticizing it. They are beating them. They, they are emotionally attached. Right. You and I use that number as data to know what's working. We keep that in the program. What's not working. We take it out. And so I just think probably to make life easier on 
anyone with any goal, can you evaluate you, how you're doing without putting emotion into the results? Can you look at it and say, can you see progress anywhere? And instead of judging the value of it or just thinking about the number, look for progress. Don't look for a number. Yeah. And if you can't do that, because a lot of people can't, and that's, that's okay. Yeah. If you can't do it, then you need to offload that to somebody else. Yes. You and need find a different way to measure your progress. Right. Yeah. You need an expert to, to look at your data, to help you to understand what's changing and to interpret the data. Um, because you're, you're too close to it. You can't, it's yes. the forest or the trees. You can't yep. see the forest for the trees. Um, because you're so emotionally tied to your belly, your butt, or your hips that you can't see the change and yeah. that's where you need a coach to come in. And yeah. Or you're see. so emotionally tied to whatever that dang scale number is that you just can't let it go. That it's like only one pound of progress. Right. It's like, let's not qualify a pound is it, a pound of progress is progress. And, and anybody that hasn't seen what a pound of fat actually looks like, the volume that, that it takes for a pound of fat. So the one the one thing that people uh, say wrong all the time is, well, uh, muscle weighs more than fat. No, it doesn't. A pound is a pound. Yep. The difference is a pound of fat is more voluminous. It's yep. larger. It, it takes up more space. Yes, it Whereas does. Whereas a pound of muscle is still a pound. It's just leaner. More condensed. Right. Smaller mass. It, and so that's why, that's where that idea came from and is totally misrepresented. But a pound is a pound. It's just lean tissue is smaller and yeah. fat is bigger. We've talked about that there are multiple ways to track progress and that there are multiple ways to see uh progress along the way that are, that, that we believe people would do better with. Um, photos are fine. Weight, body fat are fine. But again, I think those, those are more for professionals. Progress towards performance goals is important because progress towards performance goals leans into the science of that. If you're progressing, things will change in your body. Yes. Yesterday, I made a comment to you when you finished up with your pull-up set and you said, oh my gosh, my husband said the same thing to me. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, you complimented the definition in my back and that my symmetry is better. And just, I have a lot more muscle definition. Yeah. And a few days earlier, my husband had noticed it. I think he saw, I was lifting when he was walking through cleaning up the weight room or something and told me that compliment. And I, that was way more rewarding than any number ever could be. And so I love that. And and I love too that both of you went out of your way to acknowledge it because I can't see what my back looks like, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that just gives me more fuel and more momentum to keep doing what I'm doing because it is working. Whether I can see it or not, it's working. And it's and it's a byproduct. I mean, you didn't, when you and I sat down and and talked about this goal of, you know, getting a pull-up, we'd already been playing with some shoulder stability stuff and playing mm -hmm. with a mace and swings and all that kind of stuff. And it it really, it was never a, hey, I want my back to be, you know, more muscular and more ripped. I want to look like this. But the reality is now fast forward and you've achieved, you're, you're achieved 
you have achieved and are achieving your goal of doing more and more pull-ups, the byproduct of that is your back, your biceps. You're now getting more separation and in, coming into your shoulder and your bicep, right? The, yeah. the definition is improving. The density of the muscle is there. That's a byproduct. Yeah. But it was never the main goal. No. And here's what's also cool about having a performance goal. Because I'm trying to lift my body weight, I am not, I'm spending less time doing more total body exercises. I'm not doing bicep curls and yet my biceps look better. I'm not spending over 45 minutes doing lifting workouts where when I was not, when I did not have a strength goal, I was just for like my overall fitness, I was doing easily an hour of lifting. I get away with doing less and seeing better results. And so I just, I think that measuring something that you can perform, whether it's a endurance, cardio, strength goal, it just, it's going to give you results that you, in ways that you don't even plan initially. And our whole purpose, my reason why I wanted to start putting a lot more focus, because you know me, I love, I am, I don't think I'm an endurance junkie. I've never wanted to do like ultra anything, but it endurance stuff is just fun for me. It's easy for me to go. That's how I spend time with my girlfriends. That's how I get to play outside. And I love doing those things. But as I am aging, I also know that the science shows the importance of muscle and muscle is gold. Muscle is like your secret weapon to losing inches. It's your secret weapon to keeping bone density, to improving right. health as you age. And I want to be able to not just live a long life. I want a good quality of life. And I am thinking about that at 50. I wasn't thinking about that at 30. And so doing those things, I sh should be able to go and pick up two 40 pound bags of rock salt to be able to take home to put in my water softener without throwing out my back mm -hmm. and carrying those like you do a farmer carry. Even though when I sit in the gym and do 45 pound plates, that feels a lot easier and lighter than when I pick up the 40 pound bag of the rock salt because it's not shaped exactly perfectly right. like my weight. Right. But my purpose in these little goals is so that at 70, 80, 90, I can do these things and feel good and not worry about breaking a hip or hurting myself. And I think you just, you hit the nail on the head that is, at least to me, the answer to the question. And the question that people ask, and I know somebody asked you this the other day, of why am I motivated in January and depressed by June? What can people do to keep that motivation, you know, from March to May and beyond? And ultimately, it comes down to reestablishing different performance goals throughout the year. Don't think about it with this idea that I'm going to lose X amount of weight by this particular time. You don't have an idea of what the timeline is going to be. But every month or two, sitting down and saying, huh, this is where I'm at. What could I do if I went a little bit further along this path? What are my January strength goals? Could I pick up the rock salt and it be easier? And 
I would also put this plug in here for just this idea of set your goals for yourself. Yes. Right. Yes. Be selfish. Like I, I always laugh because when, when I hear people talk about goals, they're like, well, I want to, I want to lose 20 pounds, you know, I'm like, well, why? Well, I just don't like the way I look. I mean, I want to, and they, they go into the aesthetic aspect of it. Yeah. And then it's almost like they're shameful about that. Oh, I shouldn't worry about how I look and I want to do it for my health. And, and somehow health is like this higher morality to it. I'm like, no. Both great, are important. Great societies right? have build, been built on aesthetics. I've never booked a vacation to an ugly place. I've yes. never wanted to go sit in an ugly place to look like it. Aesthetics are important. Equally as important. Yeah. When you have one, you have the other. Yes. Right? They go together. Yeah. I mean, now there is a caveat Hopefully. to that. If you're, Hopefully. yeah, there, there are some people who do some, you know, unsavory things to look a certain way, but <laughs> yeah. we won't get into that in this when podcast. We do things. Right the helpful way. Right. So it, it's important though, that I, that your goals are for you. No yeah. one cares about my personal goal to be the most symmetrical that I've ever been at the age of 48. And I don't care that no one cares. It's my goal. Yeah. And what that represents to me is many, many things. There's about a dozen different things that it's going to take for me to get there. Some of which are just these fun, stupid goals along the way. You know, like I was at the gym an hour and a half ago doing a toes to bar where, you know, it's a leg raise where you take your toes up over the bar. And I've had the question of, Kyle, could I do like eight of those? Oh, hey, well, could, could I just at any point in time, could I do 10? Now I'm asking the question every time I go do that, could I do 15? And then I did that today. So now I'm asking the question, how would it, what would it take to get to 20? And so I think it's important that people set the goal that's relevant to them, that is Absolutely. specific to them, not what they see on the internet, not because somebody says 10 pounds or 20 pounds. Yeah. Well, and I love your approach because when you approach a goal with curiosity versus I do feel like some people set really rigid goals because they, right. they feel like they're supposed to, or yep. I just think your approach to your goal, this might be an answer for that woman. If you were curious and you just started exploring and then all of a sudden you did something close to that and then you said, okay, now what's next mm -hmm. and keep going, then you're going to stay consistent or you're going to at least keep putting effort towards it. And I also think it's realistic for us to talk about. It's not always what you want to do. Right. It's not easy. Right. Achieving things take work. And sometimes we don't want to put the work in. But sometimes we might need to take a break or back off a little. But we have to put in work. To No one can do achieve a goal for us in all these things we're talking about. I can't improve your health. Only you can improve your health. You only you can improve your aesthetics. We, coaches can guide, but we are the ones that have to put in our own work. And let's just know that there's going to be days that you don't want to do it. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you're a trainer. There are days you don't want to lift or right. you don't want to get up. It's, but we it's do it. Frustrating on those days. Just yeah. Anything else? But yeah. guess what? Consistency. When we have all these days notched off behind us that we got up and did it, 
or that we put the 10 minutes in, like you talked about, it gives you, it strengthens your muscle in that sense that mm -hmm. you're going to just get started, just work on it. Even if you don't feel like it, give yourself five minutes. If you don't want to keep going, well then, Hey, you did five minutes. Yeah. And so know that that's part of the process. We're not going to feel like we want to every day, but hopefully those days are less than the days that we look forward to working on whatever it is towards our goal. I think they are the more often we do it, right? Yeah. yeah you, you've got to work hard. You can't Ozempic your way to success. Yeah. It doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. So. Well, Mindy Buxton, thank you so much for coming on. What a great conversation. Uh, for people who want to know more about the coaching and all the great things that you do, where's the best place for them to follow? Uh, probably Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. It's Mindy Buxton Body Gym. And so B-U-X-T-O-N is how we spell Buxton. Um, but I feel like I am most pre present on a daily basis on my Instagram. And you can see the videos of Mindy doing her pull-ups. Yes. And uh, there's a few high fives in there for me as well. Yeah, I love it. And it, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm excited to see uh, and celebrate. I don't, I'm not quite sure what that number is going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like when we get to April, if it's going to be 10 or if it's going to be 15 or who knows what that number is going to be, but it's exciting to see what we're going to get to. Well, I'm excited to keep moving forward. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for your coaching and thank you for this opportunity as well. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for joining me today for this episode of The Evolved Man. If you're learning from and gaining value from this podcast, please subscribe to the Evolved Man newsletter where I can support you even more in your personal evolution. I want to help you reverse engineer your success. The Evolved Man newsletter is like getting a free coaching session to keep you moving forward on your path of personal success. Go to the evolvedmanpodcast.com to sign up today. If you found value in this episode, you can give us up to a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and share it with your network. That's the best way to support the podcast so we can continue to get great guests and provide you with the best wisdom for your daily life. Until next time, keep evolving.